little bit of housekeeping before we start this podcast. This is a podcast Vicky recorded late last week on the Garda Ombudsman report into deaths in custody, and I think it's a really important podcast. Uh, we were kind of disappointed with the lack of pickup in the mainstream media around this story, uh, and I think if you give it a listen, you'll understand why. And please do support the podcasts. Please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise We have another big week ahead with lots of new content coming out, plus access to all of our back catalogue of over 900 podcasts without these uh, pleas for your support. It's all available now for, for the price of a fancy cup of coffee. Uh, it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise Believe me when I say this platform doesn't survive without your support. It needs your help. Thanks for everybody who does listen. Thanks for people who share. And thanks so much for people who chip in. It makes it makes all the difference. Uh, enjoy the pod. Hello and welcome to this episode of Police the Beat with me, your host, Dr. Vicky Conway. Um, I'm going to go on a bit of a solo run today because we have some really important data that's just been published by the Garda Síochána Ombudsman Commission, which relates to deaths in custody. Um, this is an issue we have covered a lot on the podcast. We've spoken to the families of Terence Wheelock, of Stuart Barry, of Niall O'Hara, and we've come back to this time and again, the difficulties in terms of securing oversight for these issues, of having invest- effective investigations. But there's been a really bigger issue going on in the background, which is an absolute lack of knowledge around how many people die in custody, the circumstances of those deaths, the causes of those deaths, the outcomes of investigations. And today, for the first time ever, GSOC have given us a bit of a breakdown, a bit, not a complete, but a bit of a breakdown on deaths in or following Garda contact in 2021. So this forms part of their annual report that's just been published. Um, so I want to do a bit of a breakdown of what we can see in this report, what we can't see, um, and some of the questions that arise in relation to this. So first, just to say, this comes under... Um, Generally, GSOC's remit is to investigate complaints made by the public, but there is an exception. There's one or two exceptions to that. One is that they can instigate a public interest investigation. So even if there there wasn't a complaint, if something big had happened um, and it was in the public interest to investigate it, they can do that. But another thing that has to happen is that under Section 102 of the Garda Síochána Act 2005, the guards have to refer to GSOC cases where somebody has suffered death or serious injury during or following police contact. Now, as we'll see in a bit, there's a couple of question marks over how that actually breaks down. Um, But in general, this is called Section 102 Referrals. So if somebody is seriously injured or dies in or following police contact, that is sent to GSOC and they investigate it. So there doesn't have to be a complaint for that to happen. The guards just automatically do it. And this is in part supposed to be a fulfilment of... Article 2, Human Rights um, Requirements, EC, European Convention of Human Rights Requirements, that we have independent investigations, particularly of deaths in or following police contact. So, as I say, for the first time they've given this breakdown, have I mentioned it's the first time? I probably keep saying that. Um, but it is really significant. What we know from this report, firstly, is that there were 59 Section 102 referrals made 
in 2021. This is a lot higher than previous years. So in 2020, that was 43. And in 2019, it was 40. So that's actually pretty much a 50% increase in two years. So so that's really big. The numbers are way bigger. And that's going to be an important trend track um, over the coming years. Now, that's all referrals under the section. So that is both deaths in custody and serious injuries. And what's interesting is that of the 59 referrals, 34 relate to fatalities. And there's something slightly remarkable about that, that of the Section 102 referrals, 34 relate to deaths, which means 25 relates to serious injury. And even that figure alone, that it's more deaths than serious injuries, we might have question marks over that. What we don't have is a breakdown of how that figure of 34 compares to previous years because they've never given us any breakdowns on the Section 102 referrals before. So we don't know how 34 compares to previous years in terms of the data that GSOC has available to it. So that's the first point. The numbers are big, um, they're bigger than previously, and they're a little bit um, out of kilter. It feels wrong to me that it's more deaths and serious injury, but, um, you know, maybe that's how it is. Okay, so we then get a breakdown of the 34 cases and what these actually relate to. Um, And, you know, when we're talking about this, as ever on this podcast, our focus is on how people experience being policed. So we are, you know, this is a really difficult topic. We're talking about 34 people that died and we're talking about their families and their loved ones um, and maybe other people affected by their deaths, victims, so on. Um, so this is a really difficult space to be talking about and it's important that we approach it from that perspective. Six of the 34 cases related to deaths in guard of custody and they do give a slight caveat that that can include, you know, if someone fell seriously ill and tra- was transferred to a hospital and they died in hospital, that will fall under this category of actual deaths in custody. Five of the deaths um, were following release from custody. Um, And again, you know, we've covered two of these types of cases. Stuart Barry and Niall O'Hara both died soon after release from Garda custody. It could also be, uh, there could be a myriad of reasons why this would happen. And we're not given that data. Five deaths followed pursuits. So guards were in pursuit of the individual and they died. Nine deaths followed some form of guard of contact. And they do give an example later on, for instance, where they approached somebody um, about their interactions with somebody, a young person online, and they were later found dead. Nine deaths are, are fall under this category of other. Um, they're not really classified. Two deaths occurred in collisions. And one death occurred during an arrest. The first thing to say about all of this um, is that these figures are actually very high. I've been trying to compile data um, on how many deaths have occurred in our following police contact. Um, And what I've pulled together has been based on available official reports questions in the doll and media coverage. So sometimes the guards will give some figures, um, but they're very, very limited. In fact, we can directly compare. So the Garda 
um, annual report for 2021. I think it mentioned six deaths in custody compared to, you know, which would seem to exclude all of these other deaths which occur in our following guard of contact. Um, so there's a question there alone about why the guards aren't reporting this themselves. But in the data that I've compiled since 1967, I've identified 114 cases. I have to say, I thought that was kind of big or worrying and it, it tended to, there's a couple of years where I can't find anything, but on average, it tended to work out at two to three cases a year. We're now being told there were 34 cases in 2021 in just one year. I certainly find it difficult to believe that this has just exponentially become an issue in 2021. Um, I mean, if that is the case, we need to know that. But it's hard to imagine that that is the case. Um, That would be really, really worrying if it is. But if that's not the case, then it shows how very little we actually know about deaths in which the guards have had some contact with the individual. Um, even for the actual deaths in a Garda station, you know, I, I was finding two to three a year and now we get six in this one year. So that's huge. Um, and we really need to know whether these things are anomalies. Um, are the pre-existing figures different? Um, you know, is this something random and anomaly or do we actually have a much bigger issue here than we've acknowledged heretofore? Um, I'd like to know more about this this other category that they include. Um, it's not, I can't immediately imagine what that refers to. So it'd be good to know that. We also, unfortunately, can't know that these figures are accurate. Um, so this is all reliant on Garda referrals of cases. Um, and I'm going to throw a question mark over whether that's, those are accurately being referred. So for instance, there are five deaths mentioned of persons who died following release from guard to custody. But as listeners, if you've listened back to episodes of Police, and if you haven't, I highly recommend you go back um, and listen to our episode of Voice for Niall, where we spoke to Niall O'Hara's mom, Joanne. And Niall died just four hours after being released from guard to custody, and it wasn't reported to GSOC. The guards never referred it to GSOC. So, you know, one question I've been asking um, has been, what's the protocol? When, in what circumstances is a death following guard of custody or contact referred to GSOC? And I can't figure that out at all. Um, but four hours certainly should have been referred. Um, so we can't be confident that all deaths are being referred. And we don't know because they don't tell us if GSOC are taking any steps to satisfy themselves that what is being referred to them is accurate. I don't know what would happen if GSOC found out that a case hadn't been referred to them. Would it simply be that they would ask for it to be referred? Um, would there be a disciplinary issue if a case wasn't referred? Um, are GSOC getting access to databases to confirm whether the figures are accurate? Have they any way of triangulating um, because if they're just reliant on the guards referring cases um, on the basis of Nyla Harris case alone, um, I would not be confident around that. So the figures are much higher than we might have expected. 
but they also may not even then be accurate. And I really like, I'm not sure I can stress, like even as I'm talking, I'm kind of like 34 in one year. That is so, so, so much higher. I mean, in a 10 year period, that could be 300 people. That's a huge issue and something that we as a state should be deeply concerned about. Um, And, you know, I would clearly state I'm not, there is no suggestion that the guards caused all of those deaths. And we'll talk in a moment about what we do know about the causes of deaths. But they have a duty of care. You know, they were in contact or with a person. And in a lot of cases, not all cases, they they will have duties towards that person. And I think there's very real questions um, around whether or not they're fulfilling those duties. But we'll come back to causes and so on in a moment. In terms of how cases were investigated, what we're told is that of these 34 cases that were referred to them, um, 12% resulted in a criminal investigation. 58% resulted in a disciplinary investigation. And 30% resulted in what was what's referred to in the report as a preliminary investigation. I'm a little concerned by this. So a third of cases are being subject to a preliminary investigation and it seems only that. There is no explanation of what a preliminary investigation is. In fact, this is the only, I checked, it's the only point in the whole report where the word preliminary occurs. So the phrase isn't being explained. We don't know what they mean by this. I don't really think that there's any legislative basis for this. Preliminary doesn't occur in the... um, Act. So what I'm taking this to be, and I might be wrong, I certainly could be, is that this is like some kind of admissibility. So they're doing a, a preliminary investigation to see what it should be. And, and that's fine if, you know, it's deciding do we need to do a criminal or a disciplinary investigation because GSOC is kind of hamstrung like this. The legislation is they have to decide whether a case is discipline or criminal and how the investigation progresses and what powers GSOC have is different depending on what it is. So they certainly have to determine that. But the problem here is it seems that 30% of cases aren't getting past that preliminary investigation. So it reads to me like some kind of admissibility test. um, And that is supported by the reports or that kind of inference that I'm making is supported by the cases that they closed in 2021. So while 34 cases were referred to them, 25 cases were closed. And of course, those could be from previous years. So for instance, George and Kenshaw's death from 2020 still isn't closed. Um, so we don't know. 25 cases were closed in 21. Those could refer to much earlier years. We don't know. So we shouldn't take these to match um, between the two. But what we're told, we're given a breakdown of what happened with the 25 cases. Three of those were closed after initial examinations showed no crime or misbehaviour. So that does, again, suggest that some cases only get this preliminary or initial examination, to use the words in the report. And they're not being subjected to a full examination. Um. And I personally find that a little problematic, that there are people dying in or following police contact and their deaths are not being subjected to a complete and thorough 
investigation under the legislation. Um, obviously, we need to know a bit more about the details of the types of cases where that's happening. But if it's a third, 30% of cases reported in 21 are only subjected to a preliminary investigation, that to my mind is quite worrying and it does raise questions um, that should be answered by GSOC about, you know, how are they filtering in this way? Um, what's the legislative basis for doing that? Taking the other cases from that were closed in 2021, so three only in an initial examination. 13 cases, um, it was found there was no evidence of misbehaviour. So those were being investigated as disciplinary issues and no evidence of misbehaviour. Three cases, there was no evidence of any crime and no further action was taken. One case was closed due to a lack of cooperation from the injured party. Three cases were referred to the commissioner as disciplinary issues. And what that generally means is that GSOC has made a finding um, that there has been some breach of discipline. Um, but GSOC can't impose sanctions. Only the commissioner can impose sanctions. So they would send the report to the commissioner who decides on, on the sanction to be imposed. And they indicate that the commissioner sanctioned in one case. So in three cases where they referred, the commissioner sanctioned in one case. And two cases were referred to the DPP, which means GSOC felt there was evidence to suggest there might be a criminal issue, but the DPP directed no prosecution. So of 25 cases that were closed in 2021, there was only any kind of sanction imposed in one case. Now, obviously, without details, we can't comment on whether that's appropriate or not. Um, and GSOC don't publish the full reports. And this is an issue. Um, you know, when somebody dies in prison, the full report is published. There may be certain information redacted as appropriate, but the report is published for every death in prison custody. Um, and I don't really understand why that's not the case here. Um and I think there's a real argument that it should be the case. Um, it's certainly not going to inspire confidence among families to know that from 25 deaths, there was just one sanction. Um, and we can't, we can't assume that there should be a sanction in every case. Of course not. Um, but those figures are um, very worrying. Um, you know, we saw these comments in the States around how few police officers have been prosecuted for um, deaths of of young black men and women. Um, and we need to understand a bit better about what kind of sanctions have been imposed. I'm not aware of any guard ever being prosecuted for a death in or following guard of custody. And I think there are big questions. To, we need to understand better whether we are properly sanctioning um, and attributing blame um, for deaths. GSOC also provide some geographic data um, on where deaths have occurred. Um, so although the data they provide isn't broken down into deaths, so the data they provide is for 
um, deaths and serious injuries. So of the total number, this is going back to our number of 59, 23 were in Dublin, uh, 5 in Cork, 3 in Limerick, 3 in Kildare. But there's some of the data seems a bit surprising. So 5 occurred in Waterford and 4 occurred in Kerry. Um, and these numbers seem very high. And I think it's really important to, again, that, you know, to have that back line of data to know from previous years about the levels that have occurred, where they've occurred, so we can understand um, are there concerning trends emerging of more um, injuries or deaths occurring in certain parts of the country. Um, So I really hope those conversations are being had. I hope they will be had actually at the policing authority meetings. Um, These are really important questions that should be teased out in the public meetings. We are three, so we don't get full reports on any of the deaths or serious injuries which occur. We do get three very short case studies provided by GSOC and two of those do relate to deaths. So we just get little examples. So one um, case study relates to the death of somebody 24 hours after Gardaí in the protective services units had approached someone about their interactions with a young person on social media. And so it seems GSOC investigated and the behaviour, the actions taken by the GPSU and they found that members acted appropriately and there was no misbehaviour. Again, I'm not suggesting that, well, that GSOC haven't done their job fully. They're just not giving the evidence around that. So we're kind of left with questions. For me, there's questions on whether risk assessments were conducted, whether the person was advised of their rights to a lawyer. It seems they weren't arrested, so maybe certain safeguards weren't in place. Um, So reading that, I'm really left with more questions um, than being satisfied of anything. The second um, death case study that they provide um, relates to an instance where somebody phoned the guards expressing suicidal thoughts and they later died. Um, And no wrongdoing um, is identified, but GSOC did identify deficiencies in training um, so hopefully those are being responded to. What they don't provide is any case study or details of any of the cases where GSOC did actually find that there was some wrongdoing. Um, so we know they made three referrals to the commissioner and two cases to the DBP. So that's at least five cases where there was, you know, some suggestion that there may have been wrongdoing, but they don't provide any details on that. So that's all of the details that are provided. Um, there's quite a few questions that arise for me. Um, there is that point about not having more detail. Um, it will be in addition to having full reports on any deaths, which I think is required uh, to satisfy human rights obligations. Um, it would be really good to have corresponding data on the causes of deaths. So they're not telling us in this how the person died. Um, and I think that's really important to know alongside this. Um, and we would in time then wish to square that with the outcomes of inquest. Now, unfortunately, inquests in Ireland can be very, very slow to occur. So there can be a time lag of, you know, it could be 10 months, it could be three, five, eight years. Um, but it would be really important to map all of that to really understand what's happening. Um, as I say, we should be concerned about these geographical trends. We should be really concerned about these numbers. Um 
they're far, far higher than I had ever anticipated. Um, there are questions around the use of preliminary or initial investigations and whether there's a legislative basis for that. It does also raise other questions around, you know, the risk assessments being conducted, will body cams make a difference, a whole bunch of things that we've talked about previously on the podcast. I think it's really easy when we hear about people dying in or following police custody that they must have done something wrong to bring the guards into their lives or, or that the guards were in contact because things were chaotic in their lives. But to be honest, without more data, we can't say that that's true. We just don't know. We literally don't have the evidence to say that. We can think of the high profile cases that we do know. Terence Wheelock, Derek Quigley, George and Kencho, Brian Rossiter. Behind every single one of those deaths, there is a family looking for answers. There is hurt and trauma and tragedy. If only to satisfy those families and to give them the answers that they are absolutely entitled to, it is really essential that we have a very robust oversight system. But this is, there, there are even more concerns beyond the immediate family questions. In a democratic society, we should know how the police are using their powers and be confident they're being used properly and that they're being overseen. Police have exceptional powers and in 2021 alone, 34 people died in Ireland following contact with them. It's really essential that we demand to understand more, to know more. And so this is an issue we'll keep coming back to on the podcast and trying to understand further. Thanks for listening to my far longer than anticipated discussion of the published data today.